Well, hi, welcome to Potty Mouth. This is episode three and it's with Tim Andrews. My name is Lara and the chat takes place here at Coombe. I really hope you enjoy listening. Hi, Tim. How are you doing? I'm fine, thank you. Very <laughs> nice to be here to in the giggle. garden. Um, yeah, so we're unusually, we're at Coombe for this one, whereas the yes. last, the first few I've done, so I did Laurel in her home and studio. Right. Jill Fanshawe Cato at her home and studio. Oh, and then Gay Watson. I didn't want to come to your home and studio. <laughs> I just decided to kill two birds with one stone and get you when you're here working. <laughs> so I'm sorry for that. That's a uh, next time you can come to my home and studio. I'd love that. Do the hoovering. <laughs> do the hoovering. Can I come and help you fire? I'd prefer that. <laughs> yeah, maybe. Don't yeah, trust lot me, about do. at two o'clock in the morning. Oh, so. shit, no. That's a no. <laughs> um, so we are here drinking wine as well, unusually. The other yeah. ones, we've been drinking tea. Mm. Um, but I have noticed in other people's homes, they each had a unique cup that they were drinking their tea out of, which is mm. understandable because we're at their house. But you've come here for a week's teaching and you brought your own cup with you. I did. Because potters, bloody potters. And I almost always do that. So who was it? who is it this week? Because I haven't asked you This yet. week it's Patia Davis okay. mug. And I brought that um, because I bought it the other day when she did a demonstration at the West Country Potters AGM. Nice. And I wanted to get one. She's a really nice potter and, and she does these beautiful, warm, cuddly earthenware uh, which is really friendly. And colourful and gorgeous. Colourful and rich yeah, and nice. free. And, and does it keep your tea warm? It looks like it's yeah, a warming Yeah, it does because it's earthenware, so it yeah. just keeps it warm. It's nicely round, so it, it doesn't go cold too quickly. But it's a good size and I like a big cup of tea. So I don't mind if you accidentally leave it here for me. <laughs> well, I did leave one here one <laughs> time did. for a whole year. <laughs> and I did kindly return it <laughs> to did, you. You did, that's true. Um, but, Lush, um, okay. Yeah. Say so her name again. Tim Andrews. No, her name. Oh, what her name. Sorry, I said Tamar. <laughs> I know what your name is. <laughs> Patia Davis. And my name's Laura. <laughs> <laughs> We've only had half a glass of wine. Patia um, Davis. Patia Davis. Okay, and great. And she's up, she works she... out of Wobidge Farm, okay, nice. Casson's old place. She's one of the potters there. All right, I'm going to look her up. Yeah, Herefordshire. Um, so as we dive in, I'm going to start with my entry level conversation, which is what clay do you use? Mr. Oh Andrews? my goodness. Well, um, I do weird stuff with clay because mm. I don't use the clays, that, you know, for their intended temperature, temperature firing yeah. rate. So I, I mix clays together mm -hmm. for what I do. A secret mix, no doubt. No, well, not really. Um, I, recently, I've had to change because I couldn't get my clay. So huh. um, I've mixed uh, the last lot uh, I did for a big exhibition. I mixed tea material. Mm -hmm. The expensive tea material. The most expensive clay you can buy. Yuck. And probably apart from that silver stuff. Yeah. And um, porcelain. And I also uh, mixed in some Ashraf Hanna. Clay. Nice. Okay. Um, and uh, it was a bit of seat of the pants because I'd never tried the three together. So, what was the what's the clay that you can't get hold of? It was uh, stuff called Y material, right? 
which Poxades make, and it's their kind of version of tea material. And it's is that just completely not available anymore? They can't, no, they can't get one of the materials that they put in it at the moment. Right. So there's going to be a huge delay. Um, and you had to get on I with a massive get on with making. So I've used tea material before, so I knew it was reliable. It's just absurdly expensive. And it worked by all accounts. It did work, fortunately. Because you just yeah. had a massive show in London. Mm. So the reason I use it is that tea material is incredibly tolerant. Mm -hmm. And as I'm taking out quite large pieces hot from the kiln and cooling them very rapidly... You you said earlier, a couple of days ago, um, so for the the people listening, Tim is here at Coombe teaching um, a week-long Raku uh, course. And he was (laughs) saying to the group, you said you divide potters into three groups. What were they? Oh, uh, uh, the well, you've got the chemist potters, yeah, who are sort of you know very brainy and they like all the all, all the maths and the, yeah. and the empirical formulas and the uh, you know all that stuff. And then they're what I call the muddy potters, <laughs> who just like to slop about and slip. <laughs> and then there's your crew, which <laughs> I'm not. Oh, the, no, uh, mine is the pyromaniacs, <laughs> the pyromaniacs who uh, not... should be in jail. Yeah, okay, but great. Actually, it's you know the world has been saved by. <laughs> ceramics because <laughs> we have found uh, kilns and firing instead of arson. <laughs> so, thank fuck for that. So, you're, so you are a raku master, as I like to call you, which I'm sure will embarrass you. It does embarrass me. Um, but you are. So just run through what kiln are you using, what temperature are you firing to, what's the deal there? Okay, well, the rack of kilns I use, I've got three kilns at the moment. Um which are all very Heath Robinson. Actually, no, one isn't. The one I bring here yeah. is a Rhoda Raku yeah, kiln, which is the only problem. kiln I've ever bought, you know, manufactured kiln. Wow. I've always made them. Um, but that's really good because it sits in the back of the car and yeah. it's quiet and it's efficient and yeah. um, I can fire small pieces in it. It's nice. not very big. Yeah. Uh, so it's great for little pieces. Then I've at home I've got a... Um, uh, I call it a top hat kiln. So it's like a basically a large oil drum lined with fibre on a brick base. Yeah. And it's on a highly sophisticated, electronically controlled lifting system. It's not by the look <laughs> of your face. What's your lifting system? It's a piece of wire and a bucket of bricks. <laughs> Great. And it works. <laughs> it does. And it's a, it, so it's, it's one that I can use by myself. Okay, um, so, you know, a lot of these, it's much better if you get somebody to lift the lid and take out. But this one, I can pull the bucket of bricks down, the, the whole of the kiln lifts up, leaving the pot on its fire, in, inside, inside in the, kiln yeah. base, but access to it. The only problem is it's a bit of a trouser singer. Yeah, you had that wonderful accident, didn't you? Oh, that, yes, that wasn't, that was, yes, that was a few years ago yeah. uh, where I took, I, it was the very last part on a very long day's firing late at night. So why are you firing late at night? I understand with electric kilns why we fire late at night because it's cheaper, but <clears throat> Yeah, no, it's partly, uh, so I don't disturb the neighbours because uh, I'm making smoke yeah. and stuff and, uh, you know, especially in the summer they've got their washing out and so on. Yeah. And also the phone doesn't ring. I'm there by myself. I can get into the zone um, of firing. Mm-hmm. A lot of it is done by eye. Uh, you're checking to see if the 
glazes sort of melted satisfactorily in the right way and you get and um can you I, see I, that better than at night yeah you can see it better stuff. at night yeah, yeah you can and it's also it's sort of it's easier to carry on firing with raku because you're um well when the kiln's hot you can put a, another pot in it yeah. and fire that one up and then take it out and the kiln's still warm you can put another one it takes less time to fire and you're all firing one pot one at a time. time i do almost all of them one at a time now because um otherwise you're taking one when you take one pot out something is happening to the other one while you're dealing with the first yeah. one so it's getting too cold or you know it's cracking or whatever Which is why uh, you've got such high level of control uh, yeah, but it's it's kind of a schizophrenic thing. <laughs> it's <laughs> because it's this horrible sort of pull between the control and the random. But yeah. that's what I like about it. Yeah. Because I think I'm the sort of potter that if I wasn't very careful, I would uh, refine and refine and hone and work and work yeah. until I've killed the thing. Yeah, so you don't have that kind of living energy. Yeah, because I'm not a muddy potter. Yeah. So I'm not. Uh, so I'm, I sort of tend to overwork. So, but the firing so do you think prevents you from doing the, that. The other, the kind of the scientific edge, if you have well, been a pyromaniac. I did a bit. I was going to be a scientist. When Were I was you? At school, yeah. I didn't know that. Yeah. I what did kind of scientist? Well, I did science at school. Yeah. But um, so I did A level chemistry and biology and those no things. Way. And I was going to be. I was much more on the arty end, though. Yeah. It. You know, I was into animals and photography and, and all that yeah. stuff. And so um, how did you get into pottery? Because we, I grew up in Torquay, Torquay, uh, Torquay and. Um, I was at the grammar school there where we did very little art because it was all academic stuff. So talkie and, uh, boys. Or... Talkie boys grammar was school, it? yeah, it was. Um, and uh, I was very average in a very, in a very bright year. It's <laughs> <laughs> not the best place to be. <laughs> no. no, I think there were nine open scholarships to Oxbridge in my year. Wow. And uh, I wasn't one of them. <laughs> but I was kind of okay. Yeah. But um, uh, and then we moved house. My parents moved house. We moved up to Sussex. There were no grammar schools. There were only comprehensives, and um, uh, so we went to this comp. It was a, it was a an eye opener <laughs> for a boy, very shy boy who'd been to all boys' grammar schools. Quite... First of all, there were girls. Yeah, which is mid terrifying. Yeah, and the first girl I spoke to uh, said that her boyfriend stole hubcaps for a living. <laughs> Classy, classy. <laughs> and I sort of, my jaw fell, jaw, jaw fell to the floor and uh, <laughs> sort of thought, oh my goodness. But it was a great experience actually meeting, you know, a much yeah. wider range of people. And she was a sweet girl actually, but... Um, uh, Did you have a kisser? No. no. <laughs> <laughs> um, so you wind up in Sussex. So yeah, we're in Sussex. So I couldn't, I uh, had to, I was uh, doing um, O-levels. Yeah. And so I'd done... Uh, it, the grammar school system was that you did the entire curriculum in the first year and the second year was revi re revision yeah. for the exam. And so I'd done the first year, so I'd done all my Oxford and Cambridge board mm, subjects. Yeah. So we moved, we didn't do Oxford and Cambridge at the comp, so we had completely different boards, it was a different syllabus. Couldn't do all the subjects I was doing, so there was I could do all, all but one, and I had to choose a different subject. So I thought, well, I don't want to do another academic subject. I've got to learn the entire O level syllabus oh, again. Yeah, it's going to be tough. Yeah, so um, I thought, and pottery was not was an offer, Amazing. and I, and I had previously um, as a boy 
uh, we'd been asked, um, asked, my parents sort of suggested that we might want to collect something. Hmm. And um, we knew an old chap in, in uh, um, a village in North Devon who was an antique dealer. And we went to see him. He was absolutely sweet. He was a World War I veteran. And he gave me a piece of Staffordshire pottery flatback. How cool is because that? Because he saw, you know, I was like eight or nine. Or and something. you were really into it. And I, because we were kind of looking for something to collect. And so he's, oh, how about this, you know? And um, anyway, so and I, then I bought a few more with pocket money and so on. And really sort of, uh, that was my interest. Interestingly, he was the man, he was called Wilfred Ellis, and he was the man who talked to Michael Morpurgo about the horses that he was responsible for in the First World War. Really? And so that's the basis consequence of that, of that was war horse. That's wow. Yeah. And then you've ended up living practically next door to Michael Morpurgo. Yeah, well, my parents then <laughs> bought this cottage in the in the in in that village, but yeah. and that was in 1968. But Michael Morpurgo moved into the village in 73. No way! Isn't that odd? <laughs> <laughs> I know, very spooky. Um, so okay, so that's you've used your pocket money to buy some parts. Yes. And so, then where does it where does it go from there? How do you well, get from there? That's why I kind of career. I thought well pottery, you know, it was sort of yeah. in my head a little bit. Yeah. So I sort of took pottery. So and I was really lucky at school that the head of art at the, at the new school was a was a potter really and he eventually left the school and became a potter um, but so I think funds were, got diverted from art into the ceramics Lush. department and then he was really pleased because you know to have somebody who's quite keen yeah so when it so I did the O level I didn't even know you could do an O level in pottery yeah. and then I um, did A level ceramics did you yeah. yeah well there you go and well that, so then when it came to A levels and I was still doing sciences I was doing biology and chemistry and stuff and so I thought well I'm quite fancy doing pottery because you could and nobody had done a pottery A level, ceramics mm. A level. So and I don't um, think anyone can anymore. I don't know. No. Anyway, so he so he was really keen. So um, so I thought, oh, we'll do that as a bit of light relief, you know, to the academic stuff. Yeah. Anyway, eventually, the chemistry teacher said to me, Tim, are you sure you want to be a scientist? Mm. <laughs> and I said, why? Well, he said, we seem to be spending all your time in the art department and very little in the lab. Yeah, good. So, and that, that was actually a bit of a moment of rev revelation. It's funny me. how somebody just showing you, illuminating some of your behaviour can be a really pivotal yes. moment. And then my mother came out with the one of her classic uh, sayings about me, which was, um, Tim, you're very bright but you are temperamentally unsuited to academic work. <laughs> <laughs> Which is spot on. What, what did she mean by that temperament? Temp, well, you didn't want, I didn't want to do it. Yeah, you didn't want to do it. <laughs> and I found it very stressful, way. that, that yeah. whole side of it. I, I could do it, but I, was, I didn't like it doing it because I didn't like the pressure of it and so on. Anyway, and I was really much more of an artist. And did you then, did you go to uni? For, no, no, I did, so I did that. I changed, changed from science to art, so I did A-level art and yeah. ceramics and did that. And then... Um, I thought, what should I do? I was looking around uh, and I was quite keen on doing ceramics somewhere. Mm -hmm. So I went, I had an interview at Harrow, mm -hmm. um, which was like the kind of place for craft potters at the time that right. Michael Casson had oh, founded yeah, yeah, with yeah. Victor Margrave. Yeah. Uh, but they had left by then and it had changed really. So I had an interview there, didn't really like it. And... Um, uh, Why didn't you like it? <laughs> because the chap that was in charge at the time, who I probably shouldn't mention, um, 
eventually got sacked. Right. And uh, it was um, it wasn't what it had been before. Very Let's diplomatically said, Timothy. And uh, <laughs> <laughs> so, um, so I, I didn't go there. So anyway, I um, uh, in I'd heard of this place um, uh, at Dartington. Ah, oh, Dartington. So there you go. Dartington pops up. So Dartington. So I never, I never. I mean, I knew obviously because mm. having had many conversations with you over the years about Dartington, because I was there for a long time as well. Mm. Um, but I never knew how you ended up there, like how that started. Well, I think my parents used to visit one or two potters to buy pots. Mm-hmm. So um, were they collectors, really? Well, after not that, really. No, they didn't have any money. They didn't collect, <laughs> but they would, they would buy a mug. Yeah, okay. you know, the old yeah. Things like that. They appreciated it. Yeah, yeah. and uh, uh, they. I remember going to John Maltby's house mm. and buying mugs where he used to make mugs wow. in those days buying we bought mugs for him and then we bought a couple of mugs at david leach's fab so um anyway uh All broken we were, now probably probably yeah. yes so we went to, and dave it was david that said have you heard about dartington okay. because um they've set up this pottery training workshop really cool so uh i i sent in an application from um do you remember um, what the application involved I had to write a letter why I would want to go and I had yeah. to get a reference. Yeah. From, I, I got one from my See, school. with our apprenticeship programme, I actually don't ask for any references. Maybe that'll be... <laughs> I've been really lucky so far. <laughs> yeah, maybe... you probably have been lucky. Yeah. Okay. Maybe I should ask for some I'll references. some police checks. <laughs> <laughs> no but, one's um, burned the place down yet, so that's good. <laughs> that's good, I'm sure it's very um, But anyway, but okay, yeah, so... So, so yeah. David Leach... So he pointed me to that. So I applied to, to there. Yeah. Much to my surprise, got an interview. Mm. And uh, they said, bring a few pots. So I took two tea chests full of pots that I've been making in my parents' garage on the kick wheel I bought for a fiver. But presumably not doing raku at that no. point at all. No. Okay. No, I had done a little bit of raku at school. At school. Okay. Yeah, but these these were sort of really awful um, pots that I made in an electric kiln that my grand my uncle bought for me. So in so. your parents' basement, did you say? No, in the garage. In the garage. So in the garage, did you have a wheel and a kill? Yeah, I bought this wheel, which was a, a, a it had a, a tractor seat, one yeah. of those carved tractor seats. I like seat. those. I, they're I, really comfortable. My A-level one was like that. Yeah. Yeah, well. It was a homemade yeah. wheel. It had a, had a cart wheel as a flywheel. <laughs> and it just kicked the, the flywheel. Wow. And it's sort of metal frame. And uh, with a plaster wheel head, which is... What? <laughs> Crazy things that happen. Because if you scrape exactly. it, it's a plaster, the plaster come off your, into, yeah. into the clay. What? I don't know. Personally, it was a homemade thing. And it, it was five quid. I was about yeah, I was about to say I think we should go back to those days of yeah. homemade wheels until we yeah. said about the plaster head. But I do think it is mad now that wheels uh you know, I'm yeah. I well, I guess the question is I'd like to ask you, do you think that having wheels that are so sort of technically advanced and thousands of thousands of pounds. Do you think it makes better pots? No. No. No, it doesn't. I mean, they, what's nice about them, they're, they're smoother, they're quieter, um, they're Does it make better clean. art? No, no, it doesn't at all. I mean, I, you know, I learnt on that wheel and actually yeah. you learn, <laughs> you learn quite well if you're on a 
gash old piece of kit. Yeah, okay. <laughs> <laughs> you have to learn things. Gash old piece of well, kit. <laughs> well, it's like it's these, uh, these centering you... things now that they... With, yeah, the Giffin grips. The Giffin that grips. They you know, about. But that means yeah. you don't... You never learn how to centre a, exactly. a pot. On, on and it all becomes so expensive so quickly. Very well. expensive, yeah. And uh, But, I mean, if you go into most potters of my generation and go into their studios, their wheels and their kilns are really awful. Yeah, and, but you're uh, making it exceptional but you work, don't need so. to you don't need that stuff if you've had yeah. you know some training and, and just done your 10,000 hours and was that what Dartington was the 10,000 hours was well, it just make 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 Dartington yes well just to finish that story quickly I went to, I got an interview at Dartington I found I was there with David Leach interviewing Marion Detray Michael Casson uh, David Cantor, who founded Crank's Restaurants. Wow. And uh, Peter Starkey. Wow. And um, Morris Ash. Oh, my God. So we were, they were all interviewing, and I was there. I wish so there was a photograph of that. Eight, I was 18, just just 18. Was it in Dartington, like the Dartington? It was in Morris was Flat. It, it was in, in the... the in the um, in the Elmhurst bit. No, no, it was in in. He used to have a flat um, at the Cider Press. Oh, okay. Upstairs, which is now I don't know what it is now, but it was a shop underneath, yeah. and he had a flat up there. He had also Amazing. had a flat at the at the. You know, on the, was it an intimidating table? Well, it was because these are all people that I've been reading about and yeah, seeing. Yeah, amazing. Didn't know. Anyway, so they interviewed me. Who know. was who was good cop? Who was bad cop? Do you remember? Well, Marion was bad cop. Yeah, I bet she was. Marion de Trey. She said, do you, "Have you ever washed your own socks?" <laughs> Why did she ask you that? <laughs> well, because I was because she wanted to work young. in class. Pop- oh, no, because I was very young. young. So I said, have, well, you, Tim, <laughs> "Have you ever washed your own socks?" <laughs> so I said, "Well." Actually, no, but I think I could learn. Oh, that's so cute. <laughs> that's what did you amazing. Say? I hadn't washed my own socks. I was 18. I was still living with my parents. I mean, my <laughs> kids have washed their own socks. They're they only like seven and eight, yeah, you know. But, I'm a um, mum. Anyway, so I got a letter. Do you remember any of the other questions? Uh, not really. That was the one that sticks in my mind. <laughs> so good. Okay. I think that I could remember them being a bit uh, sort of laughing at the number of pots that I'd taken because basically they were expecting you to take like two. And so you got and, your um, kind of war tra- chests out. Yeah, of and they pots. sort of look. They were very kind, you know, about it. And uh, David asked some kind of pertinent questions more, more so. But um, anyway, I um, I went back to my parents. And that night, and then I got a call from David Leach, and he said, oh, "I'm really sorry, Tim. Um, uh, there were two places going, and you came third. <laughs> he said, "I really liked you." There were two you... places going, and the yes. other two places went to the people that didn't wash their own yes, socks. Exactly. Yes, they were. <laughs> <laughs> so, they were okay, so you you were pipped at the post. I was, but then he said, he said, "But I I voted for you. Uh, would you like to come and work for me instead?" Well, that's even better. So I said, could I think about it? Because <laughs> I thought that was the mature thing to say. So, so, so he was very nice. He said, oh, yes, of course, you know, ring me back. So Young I went people. and I said, and I went to my mother. She said, what are you doing? Go and ring about and tell him you'll do it. I'll think, <laughs> idiot. I'll think about yes. it. So I thought that was the responsible r- r- I mean, <laughs> probably is, but, but, but also, not in that situation. Because no. he, ne- he had never asked anyone wow because it just happened that people used to apply to him all the time to yeah. be students and he happened he happened to have somebody that was going to come that couldn't come so he had a gap 
Wow. So he said, oh, come for me. Anyway, so that was a long story short. I went to him instead for a year. And then Amazing. I went to Dartington after that. And what did you do for him? You were just throwing, throwing I started throwing, throwing egg cups and yeah. ramekins, which uh, nobody makes anymore. Um, Why don't but, anyone make ramekins? Well, they're not for, not, they not were clay, made as egg bakers. So you'd put an yeah. egg in it and stick it under the grill. Okay. Nobody does that. It's like a poached Maybe egg. Maybe you might want to make a yeah. souffle. Yeah, yeah. I mean, the, yeah, with your home, like, with your homegrown asparagus. I'm not sure people made souffles in those days. <laughs> I'm sure somebody did. <laughs> Probably Fanny Craddock would have done it in those days. But um, so, I mean, it was what was great about it. It was it was one to one teaching. It was really intense. I, was, I went from school life to okay. that. So here's the question: Do you then think um, <clears throat> that one to one teaching thing? Actually, I'm not going to ask a leading question. I'll try and reframe it. Okay. Um, you're like such an exceptional potter. I don't want to embarrass you or anything, but you are, and you have a very successful career. You've just got major, major exhibition in London that's just closed at the Contemporary Ceramics Centre. Is that what they call them? Is that, uh, yeah, is I think it? they do call it that. I'm yeah, not, I'm not sure opposite it's the British Museum. Gallery or Centre, but yeah. Run by Craft Potters Association. Mm, um, and you also decide to teach not very often mm. and you always try and refuse whenever I ask you <laughs> um why do you still do some teaching I think uh, two reasons I can think of off the top of my head one is that the life of Potter is pretty solitary mm -hmm. in fact I know people that have gone through all through the training been to college done you, you know degree or whatever set up a place and they couldn't hack it because they're yeah. on their own all the time yeah so most potters are that sort of manage to do that are okay with their own company most of the time but yeah. i always call us gregarious loners <laughs> I because love that. we like we like people yeah you're not like some of the there's some art forms i won't say which visual <laughs> artist who i'm not sure that they do like people no, some people yeah not all of them obviously no. but um, I love all of you visual artists out there, <laughs> but I do think potters are really sociable. Yeah, as a as a generalisation, if there is yeah, one. Yeah, we made. are, and we like. What did people. you say? Gregarious loners. Gregarious loners, because yeah. we like both. We quite like. We love being in company. And, Schizophrenic. Yeah, but then yeah. we quite like going back to our little nest and being a part. Of, and yeah. if you can't, hack that's why that, I like potters. Is it? Yeah. We're quite independent minded yeah. and so on. We're probably a bit on the spectrum. Probably. But, um, <laughs> but I, so I think so there is that thing of getting, it gets you out of the studio. Yeah. You meet really interesting people. Yeah. Almost everybody you meet teaching uh, is delightful. Yeah. And, so um, nice, and I've met, you know, really nice friends and it's taken me to workshops around the world. And, you know, I think one thing leads to another in that way. You know, you get make contacts with yeah, people. Yeah, it it's a and special that, and, network, isn't yeah, it? Yeah. And other people's, you know, other people's journey. <laughs> and stories are really and interesting. And do you think something about that sort of generosity of that, oh, you know, what was those really amazing sort of apprenticeship schemes that you were involved in those early years, and David? Well, that was the like second that. thing I was going to say, yeah. was that actually I do, I mean, I've not had students working for me, but I, I kind of feel there's a slight responsibility to pass on some of the skills that I was 
given very generously by people yeah, like David beautiful. and at Dartington. And, you know, if you can sort of hand that up, because it's actually very difficult to get now. They, they, where do you go to get those They things? are, and it's a different, it really is mm. a different thing. Um, you know, we had quite a lot of people coming here after the pandemic who had... Um, sort of discovered pottery in inverted commas during lockdown and mm. watching TV mm. programmes and mm. looking at stuff on YouTube. But there is, it's very, very different to looking at stuff on mm. a flat screen mm. which has been cut and edited <clears throat> where the processes aren't fully mm. covered. Mm. It's completely different that to spending a week or longer with a maker mm who's imparting their knowledge. Mm. Like, for me, that feels like a very different thing. I think it is. And, and you know, the, there's a reason why I'm a potter and not a painter. And I have nothing against painters. I, and I wish I was a good painter. But I, I like the 3D-ness yeah, the of, it. of it. Yeah. And uh, that's very important to me. Yeah. And it's it's something about the, the kind of the relationship between your hands and form and, yeah. and your brain. Yeah. And that haptic knowledge, um, which what is well, that's a sort of memory. Um, is that, that the kind of muscle memory? Yeah, muscle memory. memory. So yeah, that okay. when you do something a lot, it, it becomes more natural. I think that's the thing I admire <clears throat> so much in artists. That yeah. that um, the hours of practice that it takes to gain that kind mm. of. Uh, ability for your body to be part of your toolkit is so admirable. It is, but it's, it, it can also strangle you. I mean, I remember John Maltby saying to me that he, you know, when you're starting out, you're desperate to acquire that. Mm -hmm. And then once you've acquired a certain level of that, you spend the rest of your life trying, trying to, to unlearn it. No, that's true. I work with, um, <laughs> so Wayne McGregor, the choreographer, talked about that and he actually did a whole... Um, if I've got this right, basically when, because he's got a place at Dartington and he was doing a whole brain mapping kind of cognitive mm. study project about that because he's saying actually once you get to that point and mm. with dancers, mm. you, even if you intentionally set out to create new dances, mm. the body keeps going back, the flesh memory keeps yeah. going back to the same position. yeah. yeah. So you start out with the genesis of an idea for a new piece mm. and you work really hard to create something new. Mm. And at the end of it, the critics go, oh, it oh, was just like the old piece, but a bit different. It's, it's, and he's like, fuck. You know, yeah. And he's like, actually, it's a physical struggle to move out of that. Yeah, so that it is, is yeah, a, yeah, it's a conscious effort. And, and, but I think that's one of the reasons why I've gone down the Raku route. Yeah, OK, so when did that kick off then? That kicked off because um, having done my year with David and at Dartington, I then set up and then I moved to so How studios, long were you at Dartington? Uh, two years. Two years. So David, two years. Dartington, David, one year. One Dartington, two okay, years. So. And then I set up. I didn't know. I thought maybe I'd go back to college or something, mm -hmm. but didn't do that. But um, so I set up in a grotty studio in Exeter and lived in a squalid room in the back, which had mould on the walls and a um, kitchen in, a, in, a, in what would have been an outside corridor. <laughs> 
but it was eighteen pounds a week. Wow! And, and um, were you living there and had and your yeah, studio? Yeah, yeah. Okay. And it was you know it was pretty grim. I earned no money at all. It was just yeah. bailiff surviving. Anyway, so I went there and then <laughs> bailiff surviving. <laughs> <laughs> and then I moved to uh, them a pot. <laughs> I can bailiff surviving. You're like what the fuck are they going to take? My a parents- bag of mud. <laughs> We'll take all you've got, Mr. Andrews. Okay. Yes, that's right. You're welcome to it. <laughs> my parents used to come and fill my freezer with food. You know, like, but anyway, it was, um, you know, it sounds awful, but it was fine. <laughs> but it, uh, then I moved to a studio that had been set up by a friend of mine who sadly was killed in a car crash. Aww. And um, his wife was still living there and didn't want the pottery unused. Mm-hmm. So they'd done all the hard work. They'd got it all set wow. up. And so I rented that for from her and uh, I was there for some years, I can't remember how many years, a few years anyway, and um, started doing some teaching there Mm -hmm. as well um, to to earn a a living really, to have Mm -hmm. another string to my bow. And then, so teaching um, at Exeter College? No, no, I, no, I did all bits from like the that. Studio. From the studio. Oh, so great, I used to run yeah. uh, international summer schools. Really? Yeah. So, uh, and That's I'm sure why you're when, a good bloody teacher, isn't it? Well, you? I'm sure when people turned up and they saw this guy who was like 23, <laughs> who was running <laughs> the, the course, at the door. I was always the youngest person, you know, yeah. there. Not anymore, mate. I thought, like, no, no, that's not, that doesn't happen anymore, sadly. But, um, and I'm sure they thought, oh my goodness, you know, who is this? Anyway, but, um, and I had some really nice people. And, and, and um, there's a, a really famous potter now called Thomas Boll. Mm-hmm. Who's Austrian and Austrian potter, very, very successful potter, mm-hmm. and makes massive, great pieces of no. designer pieces. He started on my course. He, he came, no in, way. came with his mates. He couldn't throw for toffee. He didn't, had never done anything. And he got the bug yes, from that. That's and now he's like. far more successful than me. Far, <laughs> far more. Not that I'm jealous. In really. someone's eyes. <laughs> he's, no, he's a lovely bloke. He's really nice. But um, yeah, so I started doing that. And then. Um, uh, and then um, eventually I needed to move again mm-hmm. and um, didn't have a studio. So David said, "Go, can, you can come back and work, and work in my studio. I don't want any wow. more students. He was getting too old for students, yeah. but he didn't like working on his own. So I went back and shared a studio, paid him a rent. Wow. And I was there for eight and a half years. Wow, okay. So uh, just doing my own work. But the whole reason I did the Raku was because I, I told myself I didn't want to go back under a leech umbrella and go sort of a retrograde step. I saw it in my my eyes. Yeah, I mean, the thing Um, is that the the leech legacy is incredible. Yeah. And, yeah, genuinely incredible. But also, I can understand people wanting to break free and be individual yeah. from I mean, that. Going back to John so Mulby, you know, he, yeah. he was a student of David's yeah. and he sort of absolutely broke out of that, of yeah. that mould and uh, it was a sort of a conscious thing. Yeah. And I I didn't want so to So you were like, subsumed. this Raku's going to be the kind of... Well, because most... I'd never been taught to do it. So again, going back to the haptic memory thing, yeah. I didn't want to sort of to revert to something I knew. And, and this I'd goes done, back to, um, to the conversation with Laurel about how <clears throat> Potter, you know, artists... As soon as they're successful in something, yeah, wants to do something different. <laughs> exactly, yeah. that's right. We so are, you're, you're getting really good at something, so yeah, you decided to fuck it up stop. by doing racket. Exactly. <laughs> I, was, I was quite good at porcelain and brush decoration, okay. so I decided to stop doing that yeah. and do racket. And, and it was something that David hadn't really done. So, mm-hmm. And he was very supportive. I, I think he thought, what are you doing? You know? mm-hmm. And uh, Because actually it was really difficult to sell 
one-off pieces in those days. I mean, the, you know, the the the, the sort of um, culture has totally changed in the last. Mm. I mean, this, and I'm talking uh, late seventies, early eighties. It was only really just beginning that individual potters were selling serious pieces of art, and certainly not raku. I remember going so to galleries and they didn't want it. It was all sort of production. It was mostly, yeah, it was mostly sort of standardware. Yeah. It wasn't really, um, there wasn't a vast market for, for individual, individual ceramic. That's I mean, there were a few people, but nothing like now. Yeah. And, um, and certainly Raku, I mean, I remember going to a gallery in London and they said, oh, I don't know, no, Raku, so temporary, it's, you know, and, it's and a like bubble. that. Yeah, and it's not... Because yeah, that like was going to be one of my questions about over <clears> the period of your making, which is, what, 45 plus years? 45 years yeah. since I went to David's. That's, yeah. And I only look 35. You only look 25. Um, I was going to say, like, so these are some of the kind of standard potty mouth questions about what's new, what do you think is new either for you or within the industry in that time um, and what has stayed the same? Well, I think um, one of the things I really like about my job is that uh, much of it hasn't changed mm-hmm. for thousands of years. I yeah. mean, I still do more or less what the Romans did. Um, That's pretty beautiful, <laughs> yeah. isn't it? Yeah, it yeah. is. All the the Jomons in in uh, in Japan ten thousand years ago. You yeah. know, they were they were making vessels, decoration on the side, and you know, with, that, with bits of clay. And it, you know, things haven't changed that much. But of course. Um, you know, the opposite is also true. You know, things have changed beyond all recognition as well. What What do you think has of... most significantly changed? I mean, since I've been doing it, the um, certainly, um, I mean, taste changes all the time. Mm-hmm. But um, I think in the industry, I think because it has become much more difficult to get that grounding in basic skills, mm-hmm. it does um, mean that potters setting up now, um, partly because they haven't got, haven't got those skills, they have to look elsewhere and make different kinds of work, but also they need to earn money, more money than we did. We could live on very little mm-hmm. when we started. Everything was you know, cheap. You could find cheap rents and cheap... Yeah. You know. and now cheap you, wheels, your, cheap rent, Your cheap basic pounds. living costs are so high now, and property particularly, yeah. if you're renting studio space and things. So you need to actually... It's, you know, you're coming in at a much higher level of, of necessary earnings to survive So the, the necessary earnings are much higher, but the actual skill <clears throat> level is, is lower. lower. Generally, I mean that's a generalisation. Yeah, There's some really yeah, brilliant amazing potters, potters yeah, out there, course, but, yeah. so I'm not dissing potters. It's just no. really hard, and I and I think I feel sorry for the youngsters who haven't really got the opportunity to do that bit that I did in the squalid room in Exeter, uh, earning I think I earned two thousand pounds in two years. Yeah, but it was livable. <laughs> Well, just. Just, yeah. But it was only livable because everything was, I mean, I think my rates were £7. Yeah. You know, it was sort of, it, it, it made no sense. So you have that kind of honeymoon no period where you can really learn the skill. Yeah, you're like. learning. And so people don't really have that anymore. Mm. So it's hard, I think, for, for people. And they've got to sort of go in, you know, hit the ground running and sell and yeah. so they then have to be really good at the marketing and the social media and all this stuff. And uh, it's Tim's phone. Sorry, it's fine. my phone keeps going. So it's allowed. Um, He's very in demand. <laughs> so, um, yeah. Um, 
So, so I think it, that's that you has changed really briefly on. Then you mentioned. I've just realised it's seven oh, seven o'clock. It's dinner time sorry, as well. Sorry. I need to get your dinner, but we we have to keep chatting for a minute because I've got more questions. Okay. Um, and this is probably not a quick question, but um, you mentioned Japanese yeah. authors, and you've not just been holed up in Devon your whole life. No, you've got a whole <clears> Japanese. I think I decided a long time ago Experience. that I was never going to make any money at this job. So actually, I may as well enjoy it. And <laughs> great, so I just basically philosophy. say yes to almost everything. So yeah. if I've asked to go and do something, and then you, you, know, you go and do a workshop somewhere, and then you meet somebody, and they say, oh, come and do a workshop in my country. And so, and, and, you know, so how, when did you first end up in Japan? Uh, I had... Uh, uh, that was relatively recent, probably in the last t sort of 10 years. Okay. So, um, which is interesting because of my family history goes back to Japan. Yeah. I think there was a kind of resistance because of the leech Japanese Yeah, whole so again, thing. you wanted to buck that. So I was slightly sort of not wanting to be identified your as a Japanese Was it your grandfather or great-grandfather? My, gra my grandfather was born in Japan. Yeah. My father was brought up in Japan. My great-grandfather was in Japan. My great-uncle was in Japan. But you thought, oh, because the leech <laughs> lot went to Japan, I'm going to completely ignore it. So I did grow I, It was a bit, I mean, it was a bit arrogant, That's what really. kids, that's like, what yeah, we like when we're do, young, isn't it? And I think you kind of need to do that. And then, and then you it. kind of embrace it. And you say, well, yeah. actually, it's real because I was brought up with Japanese things in the house. We had yeah. kettles and, you know, you, and Nitsuki you know and me all and, those yeah. sort of things. And um, so I sort of, I'm okay with it now. I'm yeah. fine. It's fine. But um, so you I... Know, you've had you know, over the years hmm. lots of exhibitions out there. Yeah. Yeah, and I've got friends out there. So I've got a friend who lets me use his studio, which is very kind. And, um, uh, yeah, you gradually meet people and travel around. I mean, I, I am amazed that they want, you know, a Western potter's work. They've got there's so many potters in Japan. Yeah, but you are use. good. Well, <laughs> I You're think they quite a... like the difference. Yeah. You know? um, they, but, uh, um, they must also appreciate the skill. You do have yeah, a very I high level so. of skills. I so think it's... so. But, um, yeah, and, uh, you know, it's, it is. It's lovely. And I mean, I'm, I can, I've never got over anybody putting their hand in their pocket to buy work. And it's always a huge sort of pleasant surprise when people Aww. actually do it. Well, I, I don't know. It's, I mean, it's, it's a big thing to do, it isn't it? It is a big thing to do, and, to buy uh, some... And then when you go to Japan, and that in Japan, that's a really big thing. Yeah. Because they're signing up to you. And uh, they take a much longer to buy mm -hmm. than we do here. So but, do you feel um, like they invest in the sort of relationship with the maker yeah, more they than do. they do Yeah, they do. They, they certainly want to, they want to be sort of part of... Um, a part of the buying process is is knowing who the maker is and mm -hmm. um, that they're okay and <laughs> <laughs> they're okay. And <laughs> they're not just it's not just clickbait on no it's not Instagram. just a fly by night thing. So um, um, so I really like selling. I mean, it takes it does as I say it takes a long time. When people come into a gallery in Japan and they'll be there a couple of hours mm. and uh, and you talk and talk and talk and you talk through the work and they look at every piece in very great detail. That's actually really mm. lovely. Though, it isn't is it? because then you feel like they, they're really discerning. Well, most about people what in Japan buying. got fairly small houses. There's lots of yeah. you know, there's not much space in Japan. So the, it, when they buy things, they're special things. Yeah. So they've got a special place for. You take them. it seriously. Yeah. So uh, it is. It's uh, it's a great privilege really to be to go there. Mm. We will be pleased to know you're on the home straight. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you can have another glug of your wine. Okay. We've got three questions okay. to round off. Um, 
the first one is in relation to your work, um, work slash career, whichever way you want to take it, what is currently troubling you? Ooh, troubling me in my work career. Um, I think there's a constant thing about where you're going next. Mm -hmm. And um, I'm always aware um, that if you stand still, you basically go backwards. Your work goes backwards. If you Mm. just do what you've done for a while, you know, you lose interest and something happens to the work and it doesn't, it's not as fresh, it's not as You mean sort of energetically, it feels. Yeah, Yeah. and it's very easy to get in that because, you know, it does become, like any job, it can become a treadmill. Yeah. And and you're only as good as your last exhibition and you finish that and you heave a sigh of relief and you sort of sleep for a week (laughs) and then you've got to start again. Yeah. And, um, uh, so uh, it's keeping and the energy up. And you're in terms of that production cycle. You're exact. You're in the sleepy slump. Your exhibition finished what, this week, even. Yeah, finished yeah. last week. So um, and then you've come straight here to teach. Yeah. So you've, you're probably in that sort of troubling <laughs> thought process. <laughs> probably. So next. so now yeah. I'm thinking about yes, what uh, what I'm going to make next. But actually. Um, making a, for a big exhibition, even though it's exhausting, um, you actually do get ideas about, you know, what mm-hmm. you would like to have done. I mean, even if you're pleased with the pieces, which yeah. I was quite pleased with most of them, um, you think, well, I would actually I'd have liked to have, have done do this. You, how do you hold on to that, that then? When those ideas, when you're at this point where you're suddenly kind of thinking, actually, I could have done this or I could have done that and that could be exciting or that was awful or mm. do you... How do you capture that so that you don't, like, in three weeks' time just... Yeah, you have to sort of try and keep going and also buy yourself a bit of time Mm -hmm. where you're not under massive pressure Mm -hmm. uh, and a bit of playtime, actually, because actually doing anything new, it usually goes wrong. Yeah. Um, you need time to To work it through. Yeah. Um, But, I mean, it's the... I don't know, it's that... I mean, all artists you talk to, whether they're theatre or music, I think they, or, you know, the danger of being an artist is that it's never good enough. It's mm-hmm. never good enough. And actually, as the be- you know, as you get better, the benchmark goes up. Yeah. So it's still never good enough. You never actually re- reach that it's point. It's a vanishing horizon. It is, it? and so you, and you have to kind of actually say, no, no, hang on, I need to kind of enjoy this bit and say, yes, actually, that was okay. And uh, even though I want to do something yeah. <laughs> more and not give up. <laughs> yeah, it's, so, that's the hardest thing, I think, for an artist. I think it really is, yeah. I mean, uh, somebody wrote a, a whole paper on it. I think it was a, um, a da- dancer mm-hmm. in uh, um, New York mm-hmm. about uh, this thing that all artists have to live with, this sense of um, lack of achievement. and oh, or, you know, which is breaks which, my heart. Yeah, which is kind of... Um, but it, it's it's the, also the thing that keeps you going. Yeah, so that's what I've seen with dad yeah. for my whole life yeah yeah but you're you're you know you're um it's reach, always just always, always reaching it's, ne- it's never quite grasping it's the reaching but but actually then actually you have to try and sort of say no no hang on this is ridiculous try and really enjoy otherwise that, you're maybe. living in a negative place the whole time which yeah. there's no point in doing that well so, then um, that brings me it. to the next question which is what what is working <laughs> what's working um i think uh I think you get to a sort of stage in life where um, you're not relaxed, but you're kind of you're slightly more content in your in who you are. Mm-hmm. Um, and I mean, you know, like I was talking about embracing the Japanese thing, mm-hmm. I'm comfortable with that now. Mm-hmm. I'm not sort of fighting it. I'm I'm 
a bit more comfortable with who I am as a person as well as an artist. And I remember David Leach going back from when I was 18, he said, don't worry about your, you know, your individual style. That will come with maturity and age. You know, it's not something to worry about. That will just happen yeah. naturally. I mean, you can't okay. force it when no, you're you younger. Can't. No, you yeah. can't. And it's fine, to, you know, because sort of, when I started, I made Leach Dartington type pots. Yeah. And I was quite good at it. But you it, definitely it now me. make Tim Andrews pots. Yeah, I hope so. And I think that, they are that's... They instantly um, recognisable as I think work. that's what feels um, uh, comfortable is too strong a word. <laughs> I, it's kind of working-ish on a good day. Um, okay, final question. What is hopeful? Oh, well, you always hope that you are still to make your best piece of work ever. <laughs> and that is not, just over the horizon. not behind you. Yeah. Great. Because, and that's true, right? Yeah, it is. Because I mean, you're only getting that. better. You're definitely I, yeah. not getting fucking worse. I hope not. No, and if I not. start getting worse, I'd stop. Yeah. I think. You're definitely not I getting, hope I you're would. definitely getting better and better. I hope I would stop. But um, I mean, uh, I suppose the, physically one, you know, feels it more. That's the truth. So um, you might have to slow down a bit, but I hopefully you won't, um, you know, I don't go backwards with that. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, I mean, I'm still waiting to make my best pot. You're definitely going to make your best pot very soon. <laughs> so if I make my best pot and then keel over, that'll be happy. That'll be great. <laughs> I hope I'm there. No, I don't. <laughs> All right, we're going to end it there. Thank you so much, That's a Kim. pleasure. Your Thank dinner you is, very much. Uh, is probably about to be served. Okay. We're going to find the wonderful Zoe in the kitchen. Oh, wonderful. Thank, Thank you. you so much, Kim. It's a pleasure. Well, hello again, and thanks for listening. I hope you enjoyed some of the conversation. Information, as always, is on the website, which is coombefarmstudios.com forward slash potty mouth. Thanks so much. Bye.